Welcome to the Beastified Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. This is a show dedicated to inspiring you to treat your body and mind the way it should be treated. Each week we delve deep with some of the brightest and most forward-thinking, out-of-the-box minds in health, consciousness, mindset and spirituality. Our intention is to fuse and unlock the conscious warrior within and shift the balance in the current paradigm. Deep and often intense, these conversations are released every Wednesday and are designed to inspire, educate, motivate and encourage you to discover, uncover, unlock and unleash your potential. In this episode of the Beastify podcast, we're joined by Rick Simpson. Rick has been providing people with instructions on how to make hemp oil medicine since 2004, and the results have been nothing short of amazing. And throughout man's history, hemp has always been known as the most medicinal plant in the world. Even with this knowledge, hemp has been demonised and even portrayed by the media as being harmful. And as you will see in this podcast, Rick is obviously not in it for the fame or money, and he's been helping others all over the world make their own healing oils. We chat about different healing capabilities and why we're not being told the truth about this plant and much more. The current restrictions against hemp were put in place and maintained not because hemp is evil or harmful, but for big money to make more big money, while people suffer and even die. I mean, think about this. If we were allowed to grow our own hemp oil back in our backyards, let's say, and cure our own illness, what do you think the reaction of the pharmaceutical industry would be? Many large pharmaceutical companies that still exist today sold hemp oil-based medicines in the 1800s and early 1900s. They knew then what Rick had recently found out. But think about this. Hemp oil, if produced properly, is the cure that all people can grow themselves. Then guess what? Pharmaceutical companies can't paint it. I really think the system needs to apologise to everyone in the world. We've been terribly misled and it's crazy that cannabis is not being given as an alternative as a treatment in the medical community everywhere. Other medications for pain like morphine, oxycotton, or whatever else are the cause of many prescription overdoses. I cannot find any information of anyone dying from an overdose from cannabis. There's some research that I came across that says every 90 minutes in the US, someone dies from a prescription overdose. Cannabis is a plant that's grown in the ground, yet they are pushing manufactured drugs down our throats, and cannabis has so many health benefits. No money, no understanding, just a real cure. And it's our natural right to be able to grow and use this plant for our medicinal needs. But I'll let you all decide after you listen to this podcast and you can make your own minds up. So Rick, how are you? How are you? Are you okay? Oh yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm right now I'm in Zagreb, but... Still waiting for the world to recognize the healing power of these extracts, but <laughs> that'll come in time. Oh, it'll definitely come, definitely. But Rick, we'd just like to say welcome to the Beastify podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Well, it's good to be with you. I mean, it's, it's shows like yours and podcasts and things of that nature that get the message out to the people, because the mainstream media is not doing it. Yeah, mm. I think that's the best thing about uh, podcasts is that way we can actually voice our own platform. And we can really get to the masses through our own way. Well, it's the only place you can find any truth now is right on the Internet. You know, I mean, there's a lot of phony stuff on the Internet. But, but still, I mean, like I said, you, you, you look at the mainstream media, they don't tell, they don't tell you anything. So mm-hmm. at least uh, we all should be thankful we have the Internet to fall back on. Yeah. So, so Rick, uh, could you please tell us what was the story behind and why you first decided to look into cannabis in the first place? Well, I, I mean, I was... Uh, well, I was injured in 1997. I suffered a severe head injury at work, and uh, that left me with a uh, condition called post-concussion syndrome. It was nine months after the injury before it was finally diagnosed. And then uh, about a year after I was injured, I was watching an episode of The Nature of Things with Dr. David Suzuki. Uh, that episode was called uh, Reefer Madness 2. But in that episode, they showed uh, many different people, you know, smoking cannabis to help with their medical problems. So as soon as I seen the show, because I mean, I was taking all, I worked in the medical system. I worked in a hospital myself and I, I had been taking all of their chemicals and pills and they weren't doing a thing for me. If anything, they were making me worse. 
So when I, when I watched this Nature of Things show, I, uh, I went out and I got some cannabis and I tried it. And sure enough, it worked better than anything the doctors were giving me. And uh, in Canada, we have the marijuana access program. So I started asking doctors, you know, to give me a prescription. But none of them would. They all said it's bad for the lungs and it's still under study. And, you know, I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? A plant that's been used in medicine for 5,000 years is still under study. You know, it's, it's just pathetic. But, um, you know, I, I was, uh, well, I, like I was injured in 97. But uh, by 1999, I was getting in a very desperate situation. You know, a lot of these uh, chemicals and medications they give you, they can make you suicidal. And I was right on the verge of, you know, taking my own life. But, uh, but then I got desperate, so I didn't really know what to do. But I knew that cannabis actually could give me more rest than anything that the doctors were providing. So um, I went to my doctor's office in 1999. And I asked him what he would think if I made the essential oil from that plant and ingested it as opposed to smoking the bud material. Well, the doctor got a very funny look on his face when I come up with that one, but uh, he did admit it would be a much more medicinal way, you know, to use this plant. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, with all the warnings and everything they had given me, I, was, I didn't know what this, what this medication could do because, you know, I have no medical background. You know, other than working in a hospital as an engineer. So in 1999, I made the, I, I made the first oil in 1999, but it was really almost three years later before I started using it. In uh, late 2001, I was called to my doctor's office. Um, they told me, or he told me, that they had tried everything at their disposal, so, and nothing had worked, so I'm on my own. Uh, again, I asked them for prescription, but they wouldn't supply it. So having nowhere else to turn, I went home and I started ingesting these extracts. And, uh, you know, it was really amazing to see what these extracts can do. I mean, I started losing weight because, you know, these extracts actually have the body or have the, have the power to bring you back to your, your proper weight while it's detoxifying your body. It, uh, it made it so I was getting, you know, by ingesting these extracts, I was getting the rest and sleep I needed. It controlled my blood pressure. Uh, my arth the arthritis I had been suffering with for quite a few years in my knees, that just disappeared. And then in late 2002, I went into my doctor's office about, uh, about these three areas that I had on my body. These, there were lesions that wouldn't heal. I had one on my left cheek, one on my chest, and one on the right side of my nose, very close to my eye. So uh, when the doctor looked at them, he said it looked like, uh, it looked like skin cancer. But he said he wouldn't know for sure until they had the pathology report. So I went in and I had the, they operated on the one close to my eye because that's the one they were most concerned about. And they were supposed to go back at a later date and do the other two areas. So I went in and had the operation. And about a week afterwards, I was looking at where they had operated. And of course, it was infected. That's standard procedure in hospitals today. And uh, it was right at that moment, a report I'd heard almost 30 years before, uh, you know, it popped back into my mind. Around 1974-75, I was leaving work one day, and this report came on. Uh, the announcer was laughing like a fool, but he said that this uh, study had been done in the U.S., and it had proven that THC, the active ingredient in marijuana, I, I hate that word, I'd much prefer that people call it what it is, cannabis, had been found to kill cancer cells. And uh, as much as I hate to say it, I almost didn't do it because, I, you know, I like I worked in the hospital system, you know, and I had a certain degree of trust in my government and things. And, and I thought, you know, if, if there really was a simple cure like this, then the medical system would be using it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I almost talked myself out of it. But uh, really just for the hell of it, I went down and I put a drop of oil on the cancer on my cheek and the one on my chest. I put a bandage on it, left it for four days, never felt a thing. When I removed the bandages, both areas were completely healed. I, well, I started telling friends and neighbors about what I had done, and uh, they just laughed at me. You know, yeah, right, Rick. You know, yeah. marijuana cures cancer. Well, guess what, folks? It does. <laughs> so they might as well get yeah. used to that idea. Mm. So, Rick, just to be clear with the listeners, the oil is called um, Rick Simpson oil, and it's an extremely potent version of the concentrated resin. But how did you come around and develop this oil? Well, I made the oil, the first time I made oil was around 1994, I think. 
And I followed some instructions in a book, a little black book called Cannabis Alchemy. And uh, see, I'm a power engineer by trade anyway. So I'm used to distilling equipment and all kinds of, you know, hospital equipment. So uh, when I made the oil, it didn't make sense to me what they were saying to do. But I followed their instructions. And sure enough, the oil, the resulting oil was no good for anything. But while I was doing that, it was in my own head. I was thinking, well, if you did this instead of what they're saying... You know, I made my own, basically, I come up with my own method. But I, but I didn't, you know, at that time, I didn't, go, I didn't go on to make any oil. It was, like I said, 1999, a few years later, when I actually made, produced the first oil. Wow. Rick, all the um, evidence I've seen as well, it really does, like, seem to cure many diseases, including cancer. And actually, just yesterday, I watched a Vice documentary, and two young children were being given the hemp oil, like to combat the cancer, mm-hmm. and one of, and both of the children, one of them was just a baby actually as well. Yeah. But both children were coming better and actually being cured from it. It's amazing. Oh yes, and I mean, you know, they come up with that lame-brained argument, you know, like cannabis should never, you should never allow your children to be around cannabis. You know, it's mm-hmm. okay for the doctors to fill them full of poisons and chemicals. That's all yeah. right. But for God's sakes, you know, you, you should not let your children near the most medicinal plant on earth. Yeah, you know, yeah. talk about propaganda, man. It's it's disgusting what they, you know, what they've done and what they're continuing to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. I mean, there's ch- children on medication which is strong enough to take on take on horses and stuff like that, but yet we prescribe them to our children. It's, it's completely uh, unethical, really. So, Rick, Rick, I was just curious. Um, like, what are some of the best miracles or cases that you've witnessed from from people taking cannabis? Oh, I've seen so many of them. It's, you know, it's hard to put your finger on any one. You know, I get emails every day from people, you know, telling me or thanking me, you know, for putting the information out there because it helped, you know, either them or their loved ones and saved their lives. You know, this is what was my whole intent when I put up phoenixtears.ca in 2004. That was the idea. You know, just tell the world, you know, what the, the type of cannabis you should use, which is the heavy sedative indica strains. You know, give them the dosage instructions, and we did all of that back in 2004. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought that the world would catch on much quicker than they did. You know, I mean, a lot of people have. You know, I mean, after we brought out Run From The Cure in early 2008, uh, well, that documentary now has been seen by hundreds of millions all over the planet. And a lot of people have acted on that information, and, and they found the same results that I did. So it's slowly coming to the surface, and that's the reason you're seeing all of these countries now leave legalizing the medicinal use of cannabis. They're not, you know, I mean, the, the cannabis movement for decades has been running around blowing smoke in people's faces. Well, that, that never got it legalized. But when you see the healing power of these extracts, that's what's going to make cannabis legal again. And, they're, they're, you know, I mean, you, you just can't turn your back on this kind of healing power because the pharmaceutical industry, as far as I'm concerned, all they do is produce trash. You yeah. Know, mm-hmm. Keep you coming back, take all the money they can out of you before they kill you. But this is medicine right from nature. You know, no addiction, no danger. No one has ever died from the use of this medicine in all human history. You know, simple things like aspirin, for God's sakes. You know, hundreds or, or, or tens or thousands of people worldwide die from aspirin every year. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, but that's okay. Everybody should take aspirin. Well, why mm-hmm. aren't we taking cannabis? Yeah. Rick, it's amazing how much the system is stopping and shutting things off like this. It's amazing. But Rick, what advice do you have to somebody who is maybe living with illness and looking for alternatives to what the system provides? Well, uh, I mean, when people used to come to me, I used to, the first advice I gave them was stay as far away from your doctors as you can. You know, because <laughs> anything the doctor is going to give you, it's not going to be helpful. And, yeah. uh, and most doctors stand against the use of this because they, they realize that, you know, if we all have free access, you know, to, if we're allowed to grow this plant and produce our own medicine then a great number of these doctors are going to be out of work, and they know it. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the, this, uh, you know, the, it's, it's all about greed. That, that's really all it's about. But when I look at the medical system, I mean, I've done countless interviews like this. I've done many large speaking events here in Europe. And, uh, I mean, I, no doctor will get up there and take me on. They don't mm-hmm. dare because oh. the, the, these doctors all know they're breaking their own Hippocratic Oath. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it states right in that oath. As a doctor, I shall not administer poison. So what do these guys in the medical system think they're doing anyway? You know, uh, the, Hi- the Hippocratic Oath is the basis of medicine. And if doctors were really doctors, 
they would be actually, they, these are the type of medicines like the, the hemp oil and medicines like this, harmless, non-addictive. This is what they would be passing out instead of this pharmaceutical trash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. We're meant to live in, this, in, a, in a free system and it's just far from it. It's a system built upon this false pretense. And I think the public are being manipulated and ultimately being told what some evil people who control this planet want us, only want us to know. It's crazy. Yeah. But Rick, how many um, difficulties have you encountered? Oh, I mean, I've been through the whole the whole gambit. I mean, I was raided in 2003, 2005, 2006, and again in 2009. But, wow. I mean, I went, you know, I didn't try to hide what I was doing. I was giving the medicine away for nothing. You know, mm -hmm. I went to all the right people. I went to every political party in Canada. I went to two federal ministers of health. I went to Dr. David Suzuki, the Canadian Cancer Society. Uh, we even took this to the United Nations. Nobody would lift a finger. And, it, and the reason is just what you just stated. It's those people that stand in the shadows that actually run our world and actually control our governments. They're the, they're the shadow government. They're the ones that are really running this planet, not our stupid governments. They're just a bunch of puppets. Yeah. Rick, did they take you to court over it as well? Oh, yeah. In 2000, they didn't charge me in 2003. Uh, in 2005, I had 1,620 plants in my backyard, which I had told the Royal Canadian Mounted Police were there, because I, I took some evidence right into them three months before they raided me. You know, and I told them that there was local politicians that should be charged with criminal negligence, causing death. I asked them uh, for, you know, if they would give me the, the high-quality cannabis bud that they were confiscating so I could make more medicine. And I openly told them that I was growing it right in my backyard. But uh, three months later, the same detachment, you know, that I had given this evidence to, they come and raid me. So I was charged with, uh, what, uh, oh, uh, cultivation, trafficking, and possession. Well, you know, I was giving the oil away for nothing. So, I mean, I had to cultivate the plants to produce the oil. And of course, I'd have to, uh, I would have to possess cannabis. You know, if I didn't have cannabis, I couldn't make the oil. And as far as uh, the trafficking, I mean, if you look at the definition of trafficking in a dictionary, it says the exchange of goods for monetary gain. Well, I didn't gain nothing. I was just trying to help people. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, I, I did everything right, but the Canadian government did everything wrong. And uh, in the end, uh, the only way that they could convict me, I, I went through a charter challenge. You know, the, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. <laughs> That's worth about as much as a piece of toilet paper. You know, mm -hmm. Nothing more than a damn joke. Because it says right in it, you know, we have the right to life. But, you know, that, only, that, that really only, um, that only comes into play if you're willing to take what they tell you to take. But if you yeah. want to take something natural, you know, like a natural medication like hemp oil, oh, no, you don't have that right to life now, do you? So after that, I went into the Supreme Court of Nova Scotia. Um, you know, there, there was the whole, there was no real case. The, the case against me was ridiculous. I mean, I brought 10 patients in. Two of these patients had been cured of terminal cancers. I had six doctors there ready to testify. The, the judge wouldn't let them on the stand because you're not allowed to use a medical argument. You know, but they're really looking for a cure for cancer, aren't they? You know, mm -hmm. and on top of that, I had a mountain of scientific evidence. They wouldn't let me introduce that. So in the end, the only one that could testify on my behalf was me. And I spent about two hours on the stand, you know, describing everything that I'd gone through to the jury. I really didn't worry because there was jury members that I, I had treated some of their families, you know, for nothing and cured them. So I didn't <laughs> think there was any hope in hell that they could, could convict me. But after the case was over, uh, it was only three hours uh, after the jury had retired that they... Had, were ready with their verdict, so I came back to the courthouse, and when I went into the courthouse, uh, or into the courtroom, uh, Monica McQueen, the prosecutor from the Justice Department, a very insidious woman, um, she was the one uh, that did all the talking during my charter challenge and during my Supreme Court case. But uh, the Crown Prosecutor, Doug Shatford, was always right beside her. But when I came into the courtroom, Shatford wasn't there. And then a few minutes later, he came in and sat down, and then the jury came in, and I stood up, and I couldn't believe my ears. It was like, guilty, guilty, guilty. And I looked at these people in the jury. I said, guilty of what? You know, healing people? You know, and they all dropped their heads and scurried out of the courtroom as quickly as possible. 
Mm. And then, the, you know, the judge was going on like I shouldn't be upset. And I just looked at this stupid judge and I told him, I said, listen, pal, you better lock me up right now. Because the minute I get out of here, I'm going to greet back, to, you know, to passing these extracts out. The judge never said a word. You know, I, I just couldn't believe what had taken place. And then the next day, a lady had been sitting in the audience that day. She, she reported to me that she had seen the Crown Prosecutor leaving the jury room just a minute before they came in with my, uh, with my verdict. So, that, you know, that's jury tampering. The judge was notified about what was going on. We, uh, I, th I thought they would do something, you know, because, you know, I mean, jury tampering is a very serious charge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, about two weeks later, we got a call to come to the courthouse. So uh, Mrs. Dwyer and her husband and me, we all went to the courthouse. We walked into the courtroom, and I thought it was just a meeting. But here was the judge, the same judge, sitting behind the bench, the two prosecutors there, and they had another lawyer representing them. And uh, the lady that had seen all this, Mrs. Dwyer, uh, the minute she walked into the courtroom, the judge said to her, he said, if we find anything you say here today to be untrue, you could be facing 14 years in jail. They were trying to scare her. But uh, Margaret Dwyer is a rock. And she just told the judge, she said, look, I'm here to tell you what I've seen. So she took the stand, and the lawyer uh, that represented the two prosecutors he, for about a half an hour, he tried everything he could to try to disprove what Margaret was saying. But she was simply telling the truth. You know? and, and so he couldn't, you know, he couldn't defeat it. He could, you can't defeat the truth. And uh, he even insinuated that the only reason she was doing this was because if, you know, if I went to jail, she would lose her supplier. And when, she said, when he said that to her, she just laughed at him. She said, do you actually believe that Rick Simpson is the only person in Canada that grows cannabis? You know, she, she just made a fool of them. So they, they couldn't prove a damn thing, you know, against her. Because, like I said, she was telling the truth. After a half an hour or so, they let her down off the stand. And then it was my turn. So I called uh, the Crown Prosecutor to the stand, Doug Shatford. And, you see, with, with what I was doing, I got to know the local growers and dealers, or most all of them. And uh, both, two of these people had told me that they had sold cannabis to Doug Shatford. So when Shatford hit the stand, I asked him, I said, could you tell us about our, your use of cannabis, sir? And he went as red as a tomato in the face, started spitting and sputtering, and then the judge jumped right in, and he said, that line of questioning will not be, will not be tolerated. I said, well, their lawyer asked Mrs. Dwyer about her use of it. Now, why can't I ask Shatford? You know, the, the whole thing was just a scam. Mm -hmm. And the judge said in the end, you know, they, they never put Margaret in jail because they couldn't disprove a damn word she was saying. But they weren't willing to do anything about this. They wanted to be convicted. So the judge just said, you know, this was something that Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Dwyer and me had cooked up to derail my sentencing. But yet, when I was sentenced, the, the first thing the judge said, and he was kind of uncomfortable that day because I had quite a few supporters in that courtroom, and he knew it. And uh, he came right out and stated, he said, under different circumstances, Mr. Simpson would be winning awards for his work. And, he, he, and he, on top of that, he turned right around and he said, my 34 years in the legal system, I've never seen a case like this. There was no criminal intent. And even though this judge would not allow the patients on the stand, he would not allow the scientific evidence to be introduced, he came right out and said it. He said, the scientific evidence does exist to back up everything Mr. Simpson is saying, and he also has this large body of evidence from patients who also back his position. You know, so... You know, instead of crying out for joy that we had just found the medicine of our dreams, this stupid court case went on like it meant nothing. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I was facing 12 years in jail. And it's oh. really left to the discretion of the judge, you know, what sentence is, is passed down. But in the end, all they did, they gave me a $2,000 fine and a gun restriction. There was no guns involved in any, well, there was guns involved in these raids in my home. But these were the guns that the RCMP were waving around. There was no, I had no guns. So, um, but the, the, reason they the reason they give you a gun restriction, you see, in Canada, you know, the great, free, true north, proud and free, in Canada, if you're charged with trafficking, it comes with an automatic gun restriction, because you might be a danger to society. You know, these people are nothing but pathetic. Yeah, I really think that people just need to take a step back about this a second and just think, like, this is a plant for God's sake. It's a plant. Mm, they completely look at the bigger picture of it all. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we, we've used it. I mean, if you look at the medical history of this plant, you know, the greatest healers in history used it. 
And I'm convinced that Jesus Christ himself also used the healing power of cannabis. I don't think it had much to do with the healing power of God. It had a lot to do with cannabis because cannablossom, that's what they called cannabis bud at that time. Cannablossom was a major ingredient in the holy anointing oil. Rick, I absolutely love your passion and drive. But would you call yourself a freedom fighter or a messenger? I, that's what I tell people all the time. I'm, I'm really, I'm just the messenger. It's the oil that does the healing. You know, mm-hmm. but, you know, in 2003, when I really stumbled onto this and realized what this, what this medication could do, I mean, I've got three children and I've got three grandchildren. And mm-hmm. I realized that, you know, if this medicine isn't there for them, then they don't have a damn future. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I really fought this battle, you know, for the, well, you know, for everyone's rights. We have it. We, as human beings, we have the natural right to use these plants to the best, to the, you know, to the best benefit we can. As a matter of fact, right in the, right in the Christian Bible, it states that we do have the right to use these plants, and no one has the right to put these stupid restrictions in place. Yeah, definitely. Right. Like Rick, I, I noticed on your website you have a couple of warnings to people, like telling them that people are selling the oils under your name when in fact it's not linked to you at all. Oh, God, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you advise people to make the oils themselves. Has <coughs> this really annoyed you? And it's probably like this disgruntled your message in a sense. Well, this, you know, this is what I was trying to do is get, you know, get people to be more self-sufficient. You know, here's mm-hmm. how you cure yourself. Here's the plants you need. Here's the dosage instructions. Go do it. But there's so many people, you know, they, 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 just, they just don't want to help themselves. So, you know, they want to go somewhere and buy it. So mm-hmm. when I brought all of this out, I mean, all of a sudden, people started supplying the oil. And, uh, you know, the problem, it would, be, it would be wonderful if they all supplied good oil. But what was happening, about one out of ten would supply good oil that actually did work. But the other nine were supplying garbage at a very expensive price. And it was giving the oils, you know, these oils a bad name. And then these people would email me. You know, I bought your oil from so-and-so, and it doesn't have the same effects you describe on the website. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I have no affiliation with any of these people. You know, there's, there's even foundations out there that can't claim their link to me, and I have no link with these people. You know, it, it's, it's turned into a one huge scam, and this is the reason I've been warning people now for years, you know, stay away from these, these individuals who are supplying oil. You know, unless mm-hmm. you know them personally yourself, then maybe you can put some trust in them, but... There's been so many people scammed over the last few years, you know, due to this issue that it is truly sickening. And it's hard to believe that that people will try to reach in the pocket of a dying person, you know, just to get that last bit of money before they die. You know, this is about as that's about as the lowest thing you could do in life. But believe me, there's no shortage of humans that are willing to do it. Mm -hmm. I think it's just amazing how people can manipulate things like this. It's amazing. But Rick, something else I can think about and why this may have been suppressed is this war on consciousness. And I think a big thing that I can think about is, and as well there's a lot of research saying that we've always had these emergencies into consciousness and they've been triggered by our, incest, our ancestors' encounters mm-hmm. with like plant medicines. And I think that comes back to the current situation on the war of consciousness currently going on right now in this moment. And so this could be another big factor why the powers to be don't want us to explore hemp oil or any other psychedelic because they know that these encounters with these plant medicines may affect our consciousness and then people might think about things differently and maybe people will think things like I'm not working for this shitty job for the rest of my life or I'm not going to another another country to kill somebody else. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, cannabis does make people more aware of what's happening. And, and, and you're absolutely right. This is, that's one of the biggest reasons the governments don't want people to have access to it, because the people mm-hmm. will start seeing through what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this world we live in is ridiculous. I mean, we've been fighting wars for thousands of years. Where, where the hell did that ever get us? And now mm-hmm. it's a proven fact that over the last couple hundred years, you know, the big banking concerns, Rothschilds, Rockefellers, those people, you know, they've been behind every major conflict for the last 200 years. And these idiots, they don't, they don't fund, you know, our side. They fund both sides yeah. because the bankers never lose. It's just a big racket. I mean, people going on. I was, I was very proud of the fact that my father fought in the invasion of Normandy, and he was badly wounded for it. And, and I really thought that Dad had done something wonderful, you know. So I became a history or like more or less a history buff of the Second World War. And then here 10, 12 years ago, 
I asked myself the question, you know, because when in 1933, when Hitler became Chancellor of Germany, Germany was broke. Yet six years later, they've rearmed and they're getting ready to take on the whole world. Now, where the hell did the money come from? Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. Follow the money. It'll take you right back to those rotten bankers. It's absolutely crazy. We live in a society that'll like break down, break, break down our doors and arrest us because we have like small quantities of certain psychedelics. Yeah. However, these other things that are harnessed from the ground, which are natural, however, big pharma, pharmaceuticals can like overprescribe on medication. And how our society as well glorifies alcohol in energy drinks, yeah. despite despite all the bad consequences it has. Mm. <laughs> well, you can't. This is the thing with cannabis or these extracts. They're not comparable with anything. You know, they they, they call uh, they call uh, people that make uh, extracts like me. Oh, you know, these people are it's alternative medicine. You know, they're you know it's the medical system that does conventional medicine. Well, could somebody out there please tell me what the hell is conventional about poisoning people or giving them massive doses of radiation? Is that really conventional medicine or is it conventional murder? Mm-hmm. No, it's, 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 this is so stupid. You know you, 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 you know, you get a serious illness like cancer, you go to the doctors, and what do they do? They give you cancer-causing treatments to treat your cancer. Now, somebody's insane here. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's like ultimately if people don't have their freedom to explore ancient medicines we kind of call ourselves free really well I'll tell you right now brother I'll grow you know as far as I'm concerned I'm going to grow cannabis to the day I die and mm. I, I believe in approaching this in a non-violent way if possible you know because mm. we, you know, we, if we just unite as one and just tell our governments we've had enough of this nonsense then yeah. uh, they, they, they have to bring this to an end but I, mm. I mean as far as I'm concerned you know, if I was treating a loved one, you know, who was dying from cancer, and some cop came and, and took, took the medicine, there's a very good chance that cop could get a bullet through the head, and the guy that sent him could get the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, what, what are you supposed to do? Let them stand there and let them murder your family? Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's absolutely crazy to think we live in this society that where everything is just going to be torn against us it's just because we like to speak out and we like to try something new we, I was I was um I was just going to ask you there Rick um like do you see any legalization just like in Uruguay coming onto a global stage uh, anytime soon well first off what's going on in Uruguay is nothing but a bad joke really I contacted uh, I sent an email to the president of Uruguay almost 2 years ago never even got a reply I told him who I was. I wanted to go there and help them get the, the medical aspect of this underway. Mm-hmm. And um, then we got in touch with the organization down there that was running it. We never got a reply from them either. And then a few months later, I hear that uh, George Soros was down and paid a visit to El Presidente. Now, I don't have any use for George Soros or the United Nations because I know who these people are. And then the next mm-hmm. thing I hear, well, guess who's involved in Uruguay? Monsanto. Isn't that wonderful? Genetically modified cannabis. You know, I mean, it, it's a total farce what we're seeing in Uruguay. And, uh, I mean, there are countries like Spain, you're allowed to grow four or six plants, you know, behind closed doors. But I, I don't think anybody has the right to tell a person how many plants. I mean, personally, I don't care if you grow 10,000, you know, cannabis plants in your backyard. You're not presenting a danger to anyone. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I love what's happening now because, you know, they've been saying for a long time now, you know, that, you know, we have to take these people that are smoking cannabis or they have THC in their systems. We have to take these people off the road. And mm-hmm. I've always said that, well, cannabis does not impair your motor skills, not like alcohol or pharmaceuticals. And as a matter of fact, in these states that have legalized in the U.S., what, the, what they're finding now, these, these advisors, advisors uh, advisory companies to insurance companies they're, they're telling, well, basically what's happening, the, the, the accident rates have gone down by about 10%, and uh, these companies are actually advising insurance companies now that the rates for cannabis smokers should be lowered. That makes good sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you, when you smoke cannabis, you don't, it's not like alcohol. You're not going to go out and drive your car 200 miles an hour. You're going to drive normal or even slower than normal. You're going to be more careful. But you, you are not impaired. 
So there's mm-hmm. no logical, and this is the other funny thing I, I see here too, because you know a lot of cops and those guys, uh, with the number of donuts they eat and the lack of exercise, most of them get bad backs and whatnot, mm-hmm. and they're taking painkillers, you know, full of uh, opiates or or codeine. You know, yeah. and they're the ones that are impaired, and they're stopping us, wanting us to take our license because we smoked a joint two days ago. Yeah, you know, it's, it's you know I I treated a lot of police officers and their families when I was still doing this in, in Canada. And believe me, when a cop come to my door looking for a treatment, they're singing a whole different song then. Yeah, it will be. No, it, it really is. It's truly pathetic. And, I mean, I have treated quite a few police officers, and I don't blame them in a way. I mean, you know, they know what this oil can do, mm-hmm. but they don't dare open their mouth because then they'd be fired. Right. You know? They're still under the, still under the um, corruption of the system, so to say. Well, our whole world really, you know, I've told people for a, a very long time now, I think the pharmaceutical industry has known how to cure cancer for, I would say, around 150 years. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like all of these big companies that we have today, like uh, E.I. Lilly, Park Davis, Squibb, back in the 1800s, early 1900s, they were all producing cannabis-based medicines. Cannabis was a major ingredient in most of the medications they were selling. Mm. You know, so... You know, like in the, in the mid or in the 1800s, it was common practice for these companies, you know, that uh, to produce uh, the essential oils uh, from many different medicinal plants and herbs and sell them to the public as a medicine. Well, mm. when you look at the history of cannabis, you know, the most medicinal plant on earth, well, of course they're going to make the essential oil, aren't they? But all mm-hmm. through the research I've done, I never found one pharmaceutical company that ever sold the real essential oil. They made this available in tinctures. Uh, E.I. Lilly sold hash pills in the 1880s as painkillers, and I have no doubt they worked well. But it was around the 1880s, 1890s, when they got the bright idea that if I take two chemicals or two poisons and mix them together, then I can patent that. You see, you can't patent a plant, so they turned to patenting these damn chemicals and poisons. And then the Rockefellers come along in the early 1900s. They got together with some of their rich friends, they started the, these medical foundations. The medical foundations, in turn, they took over the, the medical schools. Now, Rockefeller's buddies, they're the ones that own the chemical factories. You know, yeah. well, what a great way, you know. It, it, just all we got to do is convince the human race that this is medicine. And we, can dump, <laughs> and we can dump this poison into them, and they won't say a word. And that's exactly what's happened. And uh, there's a gentleman by the name of James Corbett. He does a, a series on uh, the Internet called The Corbett Report. If you go to episode 286 of the Corbett Report, it's called Rockefeller Medicine. If you sit down and listen to that report, you'll know why we have the horrible medical system you know, that we have today, and you'll know why we have to change it. Mm. It's like sick people are basically just a finance de- um, department, really. Yeah, we, the sick people are the finance department. That's what I was trying to say there. Well, I, you know, I hear these companies now, these pharmaceutical companies, now what they want to do now, they, they want to mix, you know, the, the hemp oil in with the chemotherapy. That way they can keep you alive a bit longer and squeeze more money out of you. I mean, they're, they're, giving, you, they're giving you the poison to kill yourself along with the cure. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's like it, it wouldn't be even thought of, to be honest, like, but to say, like, chemotherapy, if um, cancer does go, it will come back with more vengeance and be more stronger potent. That's quite true, because uh, the, the cancer cells that aren't killed by the chemo or radiation, they turn into cancer stem cells. And these mm-hmm. stem cells are 30 times harder to kill than an ordinary cancer cell. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, it's like I said, this is lunacy of the highest degree. And, uh, I mean, these doctors know this. You know, they've known it for I mean, how, how can you sit there? I mean, you know, they, they have no success rate. Really, when you look at it, like 1% or 2% out of 100, that's not a success rate. So these doctors know what they're doing is all about the money. It's not, it's not really helping hardly anyone. You know, so why aren't they turning to convention? Now, I, in a way, I don't blame the doctors because they're forced into this by the governments. You know, they're, giving, they're given a list of things that they can do, and they're given a list of things they can't. And prescribing something natural that actually does work is something that they're not allowed to do. But mm-hmm. uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think that all doctors, they should all come together and with one voice tell all governments, you know, we're, look, we're doctors. We're here to heal our patients, not kill them. And if you're mm-hmm. not going to let us do it, then you go find yourself some more doctors. 
I think I think the governments will come around real quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, it's like uh, summing up. Me and Dan were just talking to um, talking to before we actually uh, started the podcast with you, Rick. Was that when it does become accepted and it does become like legalized, the government will like morph it and corrupt it into a sense where they will take out the medicinal purposes, so they will. And then it'll just grow back and everyone will be like, well, this is not as just powerful as what people seem because I've been taking it now, but they'll not be realising that they've, they've been taking the government-approved sort of uh, crap. Yeah. yeah and instead of not getting the real medicinal benefits from it. That's right. That's quite right. But, I mean, you know, our bodies, you know, the bodies of all animal life, they all have an endocannabinoid system. Cats, dogs, humans, they all have an endocannabinoid system. We are designed to take this medicine. But the damn problem today, you know, with the, these big industries that the rich elite control, they're killing this planet. They're poisoning us, for God's sake. So, you know, Gulf oil spill, Fukushima, it's just one thing yeah. after another. And all of these horrible, you know, uh, poison industries, they're, they're, they're just literally killing the planet. But the problem is, they're killing us, too. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're humans. We're not designed to live in a poisoned environment. And this is, this is compromising the immune systems of people. And that's the reason we have so much disease today. Mm-hmm. You know, but... And the beauty of it is, I don't know of anything else besides cannabis that can really protect us. Uh, that's a scary part, to be honest, like, uh, Rick. And we totally agree on, like, everything, what you've just said. Yeah. And But what do you think, ultimately, that people need to keep doing to take the power back into our own hands? Do you think we just need to leave the governments behind? That would be, that. I think that would be the smartest thing we could do. I mean... The, the party system in politics, that just breeds corruption. Oh, you yeah. know, I mean, in Canada, we have the, the New Democratic Party, the Liberals, the Conservatives, the Green Party. These people are all controlled. It doesn't make any yeah. difference who gets in to be prime minister. You're going to get the same garbage, the same crap. Yeah, the same puppet. Yeah, I mean, they're not gonna, they don't want anybody running countries that's honest or people that will actually do what's right for their, for their citizens. And this mm-hmm. is what I see right now. I mean... You know, it, it, what I tell people to do is, you know, unite together, get a group together, and then get mm-hmm. affiliated with other groups, you know, that are working in the same cause. And the numbers will keep expanding. I mean, there, there's no shortage of proof now. We all know, basically, that the, the, these medications can work miracles. So I, I think it's really just a matter of time. They, they will try to, the governments will try to control it and keep it in the hands of the pharmaceutical companies for the next year or two. But that's not going to be possible because most of us are poor, and if the pharmaceutical industry has their rotten fingers in this, they're going to want a fortune for these treatments. And people just can't afford it. And are are you going to go out and mortgage your house and sell your car and borrow money, you know, to go get a medication that you can grow right in your own backyard? I don't Mm -hmm. think so. In, Mm -hmm. In the end, the cannabis plant is going to set itself free, and it's going to devour all the corruption that ever stood in its path. And there's going to be an awful lot of people out there that are going to have a whole lot to answer for. Yeah, I totally agree, Rick. Now, I'd just like to bring this to end by saying that this current model of system that we live in is completely wrong, and it cannot last. And I think the single-minded attitude of profit and problems of hunger, it's insane. I think that we spend millions, sorry, billions on warfare, but we cannot save our planet. Yeah. But, yeah, but that's like, that's why people like yourself are now coming to the light more, because... Good always rises above evil. Yeah. Well, let's hope so, brother. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, this money that they're spending on arms and everything, you know, I, I believe in a world without borders. What we should be doing, we should be learning to live together and to get along. And if we had no borders, we could do that. Yeah. But as long as we live in these, you know, they're, they're invisible lines, but as long as we're living behind these invisible lines, I don't see nothing but, you know, but trouble. You know, it's the same thing with all governments, you know. Well, that country over there, they have a different religion. You know, you should be, uh, you know, you should uh, take this gun and you should go kill them. I mean, mm-hmm. this is stupid, for God's sakes. And, uh, you know, I, I, think at the, I think at the time, you know, I mean, we always claim how smart we are. You know, we're, we're the human race and we learn from our mistakes. Well, if that's the case, why are we still fighting these wars? Yeah, true, true. I think that's the beauty of the internet now is that we've been able to, process this real information and we're starting to find out who is actually the good guys and who are the bad guys now well i I mean i've made open offers for years i've been offering to prove this openly let's do Mm -hmm. this give me 12 cancer patients i'll be happy to prove what i'm saying you think Mm -hmm. they'll let that happen (laughs) 
Not on your life. No, certainly not. So on that note, where can people find you and what are you currently working on? Well, uh, you know, my website is phoenixtears.ca, and please don't be fooled by all those other websites out there that are claiming they're affiliated with me because they're not. I have one website that is phoenixtears.ca, and the CA stands for Canada. I have a YouTube channel, and I also have a Facebook. And uh, those are the only three, you know, connections I have really with the Internet. So, you know, if anyone needs to get in touch with me, there's really little need because uh, I just rewrote all the information on the website, and it's very detailed now. And if people will just simply go there and take the time to read what's available on the website, then this will answer most of their questions. Mm-hmm. You know, it tells you how to make the oil. It tells you everything you need to know to produce this medication yourself. So, you know, I'm, I know that more and more people are doing it, but eventually I think that, you know, I, well, no, everyone is not going to make their own medicine, but I think a large portion of us will. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't like taking, you know, even when I sit and watch somebody else make the oil, I like to take my own oil. You know, because I know, you know, I, like when I grew it, I knew what was in it. You know, I, I, you know, I was, it was a hands-on thing right from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, I'm just hoping that people today will, will come to realize, you know, the, the horrible situation we're in at present. Because if we don't do something, you know, right now, uh, I think in the near future we could wind up going extinct. You know, we just can't live, we just can't go on like this. You know, mm-hmm. something has to give. And I believe it's really up to the human race now to save themselves because these governments are not going to do a damn thing to help them. So unite, get together, and let's take this world back. And when we set the cannabis plant free, we set ourselves free. Yeah, great message. Right. Now, I'd just like to say as well, thank you for being an absolute great guest. Such a powerful message that just needs to be heard. Absolutely fantastic. I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't say how grateful I am for you to be able to share that message with us as well. Yeah. Well, it's like I said, you guys are just as important as I am because, you know, I, yeah. I mean, how could I get the word out without people like you? So we're all in this battle together, and like I yeah, said, def- there's nothing special about me, but there's certainly something special about this medication. Mm, yeah, definitely. <laughs> we're, start, we're starting to really get um, get a point across to a lot of people that we are a more of this holistic style of healing ourselves and focusing our, all of our energy onto this new sort of well, healthy, healthy living and we believe that this is, could be the forefront of how people who are currently ill can now transform themselves back to um, a good state of health. Well, I've, you know, I've been saying right along that every man, woman, and child on this planet should be ingesting small doses of this medication every day to protect themselves. Yeah. And uh, it's basically about the only thing that can. So, you know, I'm just pushing for human rights. Our natural rights as humans, you know, to use these medications. You know, how, yeah, the, how dare some government stand there and tell and think that they have the right to prohibit its use? This doesn't even make sense. You know, cannabis is not, it's not just medicine. It's everything else it can do. It can detoxify our planet. It can save our world. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a logical answer to so many of the problems that we currently face. And I just think it's time that the human race wised up to that fact. And like I said, you know, get together with people like yourselves, people like me. You know, let's bring this to an end. Mm, yeah but thank you again so much and hopefully by you coming on here we'll get this message out even further to many more people yeah well it was a pleasure being with you guys and anytime you want me to come back like i said i'll be happy to do so yeah definitely thank you so much for your time we really do appreciate it Why is marijuana against the law? It grows naturally upon our planet. Doesn't the idea of making nature against the law seem to you a bit paranoid? You know what I mean? It's nature. How do you make nature against the fucking law? Grows everywhere, serves a thousand different functions, all of them positive. To make marijuana against the law is like saying God made a mistake. You know what I mean? It's like God on the seventh day looked down at his creation. There it is, my creation. Perfect and holy in all ways. Now I can rest. Oh my me.
I left fucking pot everywhere. I should never have smoked that joint on the third day. Sure. That was the day I created possums. <laughs> Still gives me a chuckle. leave pot everywhere, that's going to give humans the impression they're supposed to use it. Now I have to create Republicans. <laughs> and God wept. I believe it's the next verse. You know what I mean? I believe that God left certain drugs growing naturally upon our planet to help speed up and facilitate our evolution. Okay, not the most popular idea ever expressed. Either that or you're real high and agreeing with me in the only way you can right now. I forgot the code. Is it two blinks yes, one blink no? Do you think magic mushrooms growing atop cow shit was an accident? Where do you think the phrase, that's good shit, came from? Why do you think Hindus think cows are holy? Holy shit. Thank you for taking time out to listen. Head over to beastified.com for other previous episodes. And while you're at it, tell a friend about the podcast. Let's keep pushing forward as human beings. And together, we can improve this experience and enjoy this journey. <laughs>